0: So finally after weeks of drama the Republicans fighting
1: and infighting
0: Yeah The Republicans in the House have finally picked their speaker of the house He's from Louisiana his name's Mike Johnson and th- this is the story that keeps happening in Republican politics that whatever happens the Christian right wins. And it might not seem that way at first. And it was just like with Trump. They hated him at first. But then once he got into office, they're like, hey, you don't know anything about politics. So we do. We'll work with you. And and so in the end, he they did end up coming out on top, even though they all hated him in the beginning. And same thing with, with Mike Johnson. And I, I, the thing that that did strike me the most about it, though, is that like a lot of the People, The people covering him on Capitol Hill, they're like, oh, look at him. He wears a suit. He's got fancy glasses. Gosh, he must be a moderate. And it's just so stupid. It's like these people learn nothing from Richard Spencer wearing his suit and vest. and
1: The dapper you know, Nazi, I'm- as I think it was Mother Jones or L.A. magazine put it at the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. A Nazi in a suit is still a Nazi.
1: Yeah. Even if it's... even if said Nazi can enjoys Thai food and can identify a really tasty <laughs> Beaujolais. <laughs>
0: why we would say that about him is that like Mike Johnson, he's basically the first national Republican politician to come entirely out of right-wing activism. He's never done anything else in his life, basically, uh-huh. other than work with far-right Christian causes. And he's he's right in there tight with this guy named Tony Perkins, who heads this horrible organization called the Family Research Center. Yes. Uh, and so he, he's just he's just come up through the ranks. This guy has worked for uh, just this range of far-right nonprofits, and they're all lavishly, lavishly funded. And the one that he worked for the longest and has had a long affiliation with is called Alliance Defending Freedom, which, of course, they, they just love those Orwellian names, right? Yes. Defending Freedom. Liberty, Freedom,
1: freedom <laughs> if that's in the name, you can bet it's, it's again, we've talked about this but yeah the nomenclature is always an indicator Mm. by the name Mm. of like those kind of buzzy freedom loving words that they are actually exactly the opposite and and just on it you were just mentioning their funding i was actually really curious about how um, they were funding and i always go to SourceWatch just to see what the deal is and just a staggering number of funders like i expected for donors trust to be on there but the number of just Goldman Sachs, philanthropy, Fidelity Investments, stuff you would expect, obviously, the Heritage Foundation, but just, I don't know that I've ever, in researching these groups, JP Morgan Chase, I, I don't know in researching groups like this that I've ever seen a funding list quite so long.
0: Well, yeah, and like in ADF, it's, it's a group that um, I'd say most people probably have never heard of, but yeah, like basically, they and the federalist society have they work together to basically rig the american judicial system in the okay. favor of of the far right and so the federalist society people know them for getting the judges in well adf works to to rig the lawsuits and when they just had with the uh, supreme court case about the web designer who allegedly was concerned that she was going to have to be make a website for a gay wedding and um, it was the the guy that they claimed was asking for it was straight and he was already married to a woman. <laughs>
1: yeah. The entire thing was, I mean, just, yeah, just so you can just sort of make up things that you fear and bring cases be- be- before a, a Supreme Court that's very amenable to hearing it if it's going to work for them in their hyper partisan favor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and basically the the core effort of Johnson and these other people is that they are trying to create Christian supremacy, like mm-hmm. literal, that they are exempt from laws, but only far right Christians, the uh, left-wing Christians or moderate ones, they have to obey the law. So it's just yeah. like this special tiny class of people who are above the law at all times and can do whatever yeah. the fuck they want. So like if, or if a Muslim wants to engage in religious di- discrimination, well... Tough luck, guy. Uh, yeah, you, you can't get away with that. Only we can
1: And it seems and... like maybe they've done that kind of. I mean, there's a lot of right wingers who very openly say that they are, especially the ones who are involved in a lot of this litigation, which is basically they use lawsuits that then rise to the Supreme Court as a way of creating laws. Um, mm. Yeah, it seems like they've done a lot of these test cases because I saw that in 2000 they were part of that. 2018 case with the uh, baker who didn't want to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. So, like they they are very strategic in how they chip away at things before they ultimately decimate civil rights.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, and they that...
1: were part of Citizens United.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the the other thing, they're also involved on the school curriculum side as well, because basically they have this idea and there's been some good reporting about how Mike Johnson loves this guy named David Barton, who's like this fraudulent pseudo historian who has made an entire career making nonsense books about, oh, George Washington was really an evangelical, or James uh-huh. Madison. it, it said, I mean, and it, it's all just completely dishonest stuff, but they're doing it because they have this idea that God created the Constitution. And so, therefore, they have to make up the backstory. Whether it's true or not, they don't really care. And then they're using that also to basically that sort of larger narrative to stop schools from teaching about racist laws in in america's history and and not let kids know anything not not even like kind of a biased history or whatever but they don't want it it, kids to know about it at all and so that's so these guys they all work hand in glove with each other and people need to pay attention to them more and not only do they they think
1: God. God wrote the Constitution, but there, were, there was just a clip of Johnson saying that God is the one who raised him and everyone else in Congress to the positions that they're in, that he has brought all of those people together to do do God's bidding, <laughs> although he would mm. never phrase it that way. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, just absolute... Absolute Looney Tunes, and the irony of the kind of the pushback that he's gotten from some hardline right wingers is all because he, during in 2020, when George Floyd was killed, he apparently has a black son, and he went on a show and talked about the fact that he was outraged by the killing, and also that it's just very clear he has a, a. a white son as well, and that they have very different paths. Obviously, we live in a country that it is incredibly racist and that one of them will benefit from white supremacy and the other one won't. And so just acknowledging that racism existed, there's a, a contingent of Republicans who are calling him a rhino, uh, despite the fact that this guy is, in every way, it's absolute crystal fascist. So it's, it just kind of tells us the party that we're dealing with and how insane they are.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, this guy, he's so extreme. He, you know, he argued in favor of keeping homosexuality a felony. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, the reporters in DC, they go- never have asked him about these things, of course, um, and they haven't asked he him wants about. a federal
1: don't say gay law. he He proposed one mm-hmm. uh, for you know uh, for the the entire country
0: yeah, well, and and the Christian right had all these horrible positions against birth control, against the legal legalization of homosexuality, let, let alone same-sex marriage, and prohibiting divorce. They've never changed these positions, and the Democrats in d c they don't let people know that actually these things are still at risk. Like you can think, oh well, that's settled. Everybody's fine with people being gay or lesbian or whatever, and every no one's going to take away birth control. And it's like, no, guys, they are. Uh, oh,
1: they're absolutely gunning for for birth control. Yeah, I mean, in Thomas's overturning of Roe v. Wade, Thomas just mm-hmm. unsolicited <laughs> offered up a few other things that he thought should should go down in mm-hmm. flames, and and birth control was absolutely one of them. And the other thing is this dude is super in favor of slashing, obviously, the social safety net, which all the Republicans are sort of pushing for in in their budget. But he thinks that or one of the arguments that he makes, because he's also an incredible like a huge opponent of abortion. Right. Like that goes without saying. But his argument is that abortion, those things are connected because abortion denied us the able-bodied workers who would be part of the economy now, and so we wouldn't have these deficits that, that the Republican Party always claims are bigger than they are, in social safety, safety net issues.
2: You think about the implications of that on the economy. We're all struggling here to, to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. So.
1: If people mm-hmm. were just having more kids, yeah, and we didn't have abortions, then we wouldn't even have to put these cuts on the table. I mean, the I mm-hmm. mean, obviously the logic is
0: That's, crystal clear. Yeah, yeah, it's and it is literal forced. It doesn't worth. sound
1: bad shit crazy at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people who are regular Democrats, you need to just pay attention to your activist friends and stuff. Like, they know what they're talking about. And obviously, <laughs> if you listen to this yeah. show, you know what you're talking about too. <laughs>
1: Well, in the midst of this, I I feel like I've been so immersed in news about Israel-Hamas. Obviously, that's like a huge part of my timeline, and it's been a huge part of my thoughts. And also, just the absolute like nuttery that's going on with the Republicans in the House and trying to find a speaker. That I had a brief window there when I forgot about America's little mass shooting problem. But I was reminded last night when. Well, he's identified now as Robert Card, who has he went on a mass shooting spree in Maine that actually happened in two different locations. I think the death count right now is 16, and it's crazy. It's astounding to me that they Mm. still haven't found this person, but there's always, it's always somewhere in the social media, right? And there's some folks looked into uh, his Twitter visit history and. Unsurprisingly, some of the places that he or some of the figures and sites or
0: that so he was following popular the accounts,
1: liking, yeah. the, the accounts that he was uh, following and checking in on include Cat Turd. Yeah. Of course. End Wokeness, one of my personal, just most hated Twitter accounts. <laughs> Elon Musk's account, which also should not be surprising to anyone who has understood his politics because he's made them incredibly clear ever since he bought the site. Jim Jordan, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Vivek Ramaswamy. So, I mean, it's just, it's like a who's who of the worst of the worst on the right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these people, they want to pretend that their stuff doesn't impact their audience in a negative and violent way. But then they also want to claim that video games are what causes mass shootings. And it's like, you really can't have it both ways there, guys. (laughs) Like, Uh absolutely
1: anything radicalizes the left. You you know, learning Uh about the history of slavery radicalizes white children, right? But (laughs) the kind of stuff that they do has absolutely no impact. And the other thing is, and I know that this is how they are going to discuss it, is instead of talking about guns, they're going to talk about uh, mental illness. We'll be back in the same sort of perpetual motion machine of not... Talking mm-hmm. about real shit here once again, but also if they're you know if people start talking about this and it will ultimately come up, it's never the wackiest, craziest people on the right who are who represent the whole right like the the, the right somehow is able to pick out anyone on the left that they think rep you know represents the worst and that is saying inflammatory things and that is inciting people to do stuff, but when someone who Follows folks on the right is maybe even sort of an avid follower of the those folks picks up a gun and literally goes out and murders people, goes on a shooting spree, stays at large for days. That's totally unconnected to any other rhetoric that comes out of that party.
0: Yeah, no, they do. It's 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 so dishonest, and I think one of the worst offenders in terms of getting radicalizing people is this matt walsh guy at the daily wire and mm-hmm. he said something interesting recently about because trans people had rightfully accused him of putting people's lives at risk with his mm-hmm. just virulent hateful and extremely personalized
1: and
2: obsessive uh, obsessive
0: yeah yeah rhetoric and so but and he so he said something of to address those charges
2: the truth matters it matters more than your ideology, it matters more than your preferences, it matters more than your feelings, it matters more than your self-identification, it matters more than anything. Amen. The truth matters more than your life, and more than mine. You know, they say, that, they say that speaking the truth about these issues puts lives at risk. I've been personally accused of that in many media articles, that by saying the things I'm saying right now, I'm putting lives at risk. Now that's obviously nonsense, it's emotional blackmail. But here's what I'm willing to tell you. Even if it was putting lives at risk, I would still say it. I would still say it. I would risk your life for the truth, just as I would risk my life for the truth. So. When they ask me, are you really gonna die on this hill? Is this the hill you wanna die on? Yes. Now, I don't wanna die on it. I don't plan on it, but will I, yes. Because if we will not defend the hill of basic truth, then what other hill is there? What else is worth defending? This has to be it. This is where we plant our flag. This is the hill worth dying on. It's why we're all here for the truth and nothing else. Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's amazing and, to hear him actually admit to, admit to that. Yeah. So the fact that he doesn't no. care.
0: Yeah. And it's like with these people, they don't like being compared to radical Islamic jihadists, but they really do have the exact same sensibility. Like, they are. This oh, is, that's right. Like yeah, like
1: really. we have our own Hamas here. It's the entire fucking right, basically.
0: Yeah, and they're a lot better funded and a lot more powerful over here. And
1: the idea that like uh. they're they aren't aware that they are people putting people's life. What the entire the entire raison d'etre for lives of TikTok is I mean, she posts when events are going on in real time. Why would you do that? Why would you essentially sort of dox events consistently if you didn't want what would be the end goal except for, except for someone to intervene? Like it's, it's absolute bullshit that they don't know the consequences of what they they're doing. Not just because we've seen it in the, in the very recent past, all these bomb threats that keep getting called in mm-hmm. that, the, like the violence that results. But also I can't imagine why I would post that kind of information unless I was hoping that someone on my side was going to go there and do something.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that, that they are, and they just, are too dishonest to admit it. And it's, it's again, like if you are somebody who is a moderate Republican, quote unquote, like this is who is your leader. Like you can say, well, I don't agree with that, and et cetera, et cetera, but you're still reading the Daily Wire, you're still watching Fox News, and they're promoting all this shit. So you're promoting it by being a part of what they're doing. And like we saw that, I feel like with the Mike Johnson thing, that people have called Mike Johnson Jim Jordan in a jacket, which is, I, I love the alliteration there, but but it's true also. Like basically the for the first time in decades, the Republican moderates, quote unquote, actually stood up for themselves for once against Jim Jordan. But then they were like, oh, well, Mike Johnson has a nice suit. And so we're going to vote for him. It doesn't matter that he has all the same horrible ideas and extremist beliefs. Who cares? We can't. It's even worse
1: him. in some ways. I mean, that, look, the outcomes yeah. would probably have been equally as terrible, but he is absolutely a, a down the line ideologue without yeah. question. He actually believes what he's saying. There, There is no cynical sort of phoniness in any of it. And I, that's that's far more frightening to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's I I agree with that a hundred percent. And speaking of people with that similar type of Christo fascist worldview, we have Christopher Rufo, the right wing activist. He is now trying to link everybody as much as possible as he can to Hamas. Anybody on basically on the progressive left, he's trying to do yet another one of his rebrand campaigns, and so. And, he, and I guess it's nice that he so f- puts this stuff on the Internet because you can see it coming. But the nonetheless, I mean, the you know, just the regular small city press or or even hell, a lot of the national press, they still let him do this shit. Yeah. Um, and so now he's saying he's he wants to, quote, create a strong association between Hamas, Black Lives Matter, Democratic Socialists of America and academic Decolonization in the public mind and, and, you know, and,
1: and this is hard I mean as you were saying this is this is what he does, right? He doesn't he every single time he's plotting one of these um, schemes, basically he, he he tells people via Twitter, this is what I'm planning to do. He did it with critical race theory. He said uh-huh. very openly that his plan was to turn the brand quote unquote toxic. And he did it also with drag queens. He made the suggestion that conservatives should, instead of referring to them as drag queens, conservatives should start calling them trans strippers. I mean, just the most disingenuous bullshit ever. I mean, he is a very proud, very loud, and very transparent bullshit artist. That's what he does for a living. And I've, I've seen some of his tweets after the one that you just mentioned about creating this sort of Hamas-BLM-DSA connection. And not only has he repeated that over and over again, because that's the scheme that he's proposed, but he spends so much time talking about the way any alliances between or any shows of solidarity between those groups and people who are living in the worst situations in Gaza or the West Bank, how it's really about his grand theory is that they all desire to have this white oppressor slaughtered and they can live vicariously through Palestinians. And that that is kind of the the (laughs) dream that they're secretly all living with. And I just think that speaks so many volumes about who he is and his world outlook. I mean, I really find him there's a lot of terrible people obviously on the right but there's something mm. about Christopher Rufo his willingness to 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 manipulate to create these strategic tar- targets and to really try to ruin their lives and to paint them as people who are attempting to bring violence because they secretly want that they're screaming kill whitey or something i mean he, he Mm -hmm. creates this fantastical... He plays on the whitest fears in the world, knowingly, not because he believes any of this shit, right? I find him incredibly reprehensible in a way that there are few figures who enrage me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, his willingness to just put it all out there in public, it's very much like a supervillain to do that. That's what he's doing. But, I mean, I will say, though, he actually is doing the things that they all do like all these groups do what he's talking about it just he just discusses it in public um so they all do this and basically if you look at the history of right-wing disinformation it actually has its origins in the tobacco industry um Mm, and yeah because basically they had they were like well we know that our product kills people and so we just have to We just have to create doubt around that belief because we just get people to question the science generally. And they they wrote a secret memo and and the line in it that really kind of became infamous was that doubt is our product. And that's basically, that is kind of the core strategy in all of these right-wing disinformation campaigns is that they look at, they find, think the unfamiliar, they find the different and then they tell you that since you don't know about these people, well, we do. And let me tell you how awful they are. They're going to kill your children or turn them gay or they're going to offer them as a sacrifice to Satan or whatever the hell it is. It doesn't matter. Um, it's that they've they've managed to sort of hack our, our capacity to handle uncertainty. And that's what's so dangerous about it. And, you know, and, and people have to figure that out uh, who are yeah. opposing them.
1: But, and and I agree with you that there is a lot of uh, intentional propagation of, of misinformation and disinformation on the right, but I think that he will not be happy until. I mean, what he wants basically is for groups like, particularly BL, BLM, because I think he has a real bone to pick with Black folks who are involved in liberatory movements, like very specifically, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea is to brand any. Kind of opposition to white supremacy as terrorism, which no, ultimately, Marxism, which
0: communism, yeah.
1: But yeah, but to go beyond that because you're turning it into something that's slightly more sort of an intellectual debate. He wants people to fear that these are terrorists, that they are going to fucking kill them to create to essentially to essentially incite violence upon these groups. I really believe that to to criminalize yeah. these groups and that has really. I mean, that leads to violence. I I believe that he is someone who is completely okay with inciting violence. And just I just recalled this, went to look up this piece that this actually got stripped out of the piece. But one of the things that he advised them to do is in his tweet was to connect the dots between those groups, connect the dots, then attack, delegitimize and discredit. If you go back, to the kind of language that is now declassified from FBI documents who were part of COINTELPRO. They literally said that the, the point of their campaign was to quote, disrupt, misdirect and discredit. I mean, it's almost verbatim. He is using some of the most classic tactics that we've seen in really targeting these groups, not just trying to dismantle them, but to bring actual violence against them. And to talk about him in any other terms, it's irresponsible. I think he is a loathsome person who has the absolute worst of intentions. And and by worst, I mean, I I think he wants active violence against the groups that he opposes. He wants not just to write people out of history, not just to... Make sure that there's no opposition to the policies that he thinks uh, are good, which is essentially maintaining the hierarchy that we already have in this country in terms of race, in terms of gender, in terms of all of those things. But also to bring it into those groups by any means necessary. And mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in the Malcolm X sense. I mean it in the the way where he's like literally burn it down and hurt some people in the process. I don't give a fuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you do see that the way. Like that type of thinking it it has it's filtered into how Fox covers anything related to Black Lives Matter. that
2: yeah. and
0: when you ask people in when pollsters ask people about what do they think about it and Republicans, they actually think that they've been told so many lies about Black Lives Matter protests. Like they actually, even though like they, they probably happened in their own city and they weren't violent. Uh, yeah. The pro- they like,
1: did a study. 97% yeah. of them had absolutely no violence at all. They weren't overwhelmingly violent. And yet when you hear a, a person on the right talk about those protests, they inevitably refer to them as when there was looting and burning happening all over the country. I yeah, mean, this, they, this is a fantasy,
0: right? Yeah, it never happened. And, and, and in point of fact, a lot of the violence that did happen at these protests was actually created by right-wingers. So there was a police station... I think it was in Wisconsin, if I remember right, that had burned down and somebody had shot into it at at first and then it was lit on fire. Well, I think it's
1: Minneapolis, but yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. So that violence was actually started by a boogaloo boy. Um,
1: Oh, yeah. I find it just so. There's something about Rufo and his. Just a, a kind of deep. Curdled. Bitterness and mean spiritedness Hmm. that I that I see in him that he is so open about the way he goes after people. I mean, his attacks are so relentless. He's upset. Clearly, like so many of these folks have lived rent free in that motherfucker's head year round. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh,
0: Well, and it is it is notable that he got his start on all this as a Christian fundamentalist anti evolution activist. That's actually how he got into all this disinformation. And then the same thing is true with Haya Raychik, the libs of TikTok mm. woman. People who have these completely debunked worldviews, like they, so many of them have become radicalized that they, they realized finally that they had, a lot of them had this delusion for a long time that they were the majority, the silent majority. Yeah. Uh, and they finally realized, no, we're not. So, you know what? We're just going to fuck everyone over on the way down and that's basically what's happening with them and it's really it's really sick but i'm gonna get kicked out of my hotel here so we should probably go to the next topic yeah
1: i'm i'm sorry i just i could i could rant about we could do an entire show
0: about him we could all right well so i guess in more amusing news less depressing news since it is halloween coming up i did want to talk about this great NBC news article and I have to say I have to give them a call out here that I think NBC on the website has just been hitting on all cylinders lately I love what they're doing lately on especially on culture stuff and they've got this this really this really well reported article that's both amusing and fun but it's also informative and it's about a video game character named Astarion, who is a character in the video game Baldur's Gate 3, and and I I can already see some people who are not big gamers, hearing me introduce that topic, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna push the skip Their button. Guys are glassing
1: here. over as we speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what's what's interesting about the story of him is that well, number one, a lot of the fans that he's developed are women actually, so. That and and Gen Z and Gen Alpha women like are much much more likely to be gamers than Millennial or Gen X women, and so that's that's another kind of interesting the gamer girl demographic and 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 he's I guess pretty much kind of exactly who you would expect him to look like kind of the synthesis of an elf plus Edward from Twilight. <laughs> I he's guess. a twank
1: basically. <laughs>
0: yeah beyond just his general appearance though is that he is a video game character that has more of a realistic human backstory in that he's actually somebody who has who they talk about in the game as having experienced personal trauma and they've hint about it rather blatantly that he's been sexually abused by this guy who is basically his master who makes him go and basically seduce characters and then bring them in and so they can be killed. I mean, like that's a typical vampire thing, right? But they don't really talk about how traumatic that would be if you actually were to witness something like that. I mean, that's pretty awful, right? Yeah, Um, it's
1: like Epstein's vampire master. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. And so it's an interesting little in-depth thing. And I guess one of the other kind of things that's uh, a little bit silly is that some of the fans of the game they are kind of just jokingly doing it as what they're calling a dating simulator, so that they can get get him out on their team to go through the world, and and their goal is to get him to be their boyfriend. <laughs> Which it's fun, it's funny, and it's silly, and and I do hope people don't take it too seriously though. And I don't. The think trauma do.
1: part, the trauma parts though, is kind of kind of neat. I feel like it's like get your therapy where you can. Like mm. that. I mean, it it might be for some people, especially who like can mm-hmm. have relate on some of those like specific points. If that's where, mm-hmm. if that's soothing, or if that's if that's giving you a place to put some stuff like that, I, I'm all for. It seems like we've had we've we've had a full combo, and the dear viewer Matthew is. in a hotel room and i can see that he definitely needs to get out because they probably have to turn that room over real fast so
0: yeah so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut short the vampire discussion here here. (laughs) but yeah it was it was it was it was great coming out to new york and we hung out for a little bit so we'll have to do it again
1: yeah good times Yep. One of us, one of us turned out to be a real pool shark.
0: Yeah, it wasn't me. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it was <just> me. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, you, you you, definitely kicked everybody's butt at that. So hats off to you, Callie. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back have a good time next week.
1: And, yeah, have a great time in DC.
0: Oh, actually I'm leaving
1: I mean, you, I hope you had a good time
0: in DC. I did, I did, yeah. I did how was
1: it, year? you got to tell me all about how the stuff went and was it, okay. was it super fun? I mean, I know we have to sign off, but did you just, real quick, did you have a great time? Oh, yeah,
0: I did, have, I did have a good time. I met a bunch of different people. My overall takeaway from all this is that I'm going to have to come out here a lot more often. That's where my people are, is out here on the the East Coast. Even though I love the West Coast, it's just more political out here. So, anyway, I'll be back. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Alright. Happy
1: travels to you. Take care. Bye.